The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So welcome to our eighth session on these 10 wonderful qualities that they both support our practice and their beautiful expressions of our practice as it matures. I sent out a talk, link to a talk of Gill's last week where he's talking about uh, quali- these as qualities of spiritual maturity. And I really love that because it's what begins to blossom as we practice. So these qualities are, just to review, we started with generosity, which is this fundamental, this fundamental expression of open-handedness, of oneness, giving, sharing, open-handed oneness. And then virtue, sila, our ethical behavior, what, this is something else that we come to realize is so important for ourselves and for the world. And then renunciation, which is this basic move of letting go that we're learning in the Dharma, non-clinging, not hanging on to things, letting them pass away as they naturally do. Wisdom, oh, so many, such a rich subject. All these qualities are part of wisdom. In fact, all these qualities are part of each other. Wisdom of how it really is and what's really important to us and how to really be on this path of, of moving toward freedom and compassion. And then energy or effort. It takes energy or effort to make a change in our lives and to reorient ourselves and to keep ourselves on the path. So there's that energy. And then patience, which is many people's favorite of these qualities, I think. It's called for so often and and needs to be an element in all these other qualities because they're all quite slow to develop for most of us. And so patience is needed. And truth. Last month we looked at truth. Truth is a I don't know. To me, it's a matter of sort of a devotion to the truth, to discovering the truth of what's important to me and what, how the world works and how to stay on the path and what's the right way to be in each situation. So opening to truth. And this week we're looking at resolve, which is this kind of, you know, steady firmness of actually, no, I'm going to do this, being able to stick with and carry out our intentions. We'll say more about that in a minute, of course. And then the last two qualities for the next two months are kindness, metta, and equanimity. So we'll get to those in the coming couple of months. So what is resolve? The word in Pali is aditana, and adi means further, higher, fuller, and tana means foundation. So it's like this full, reliable foundation. I remember feeling into that once when I was trying to resolve something, like I'm going to sit up all night or something like that, and it just it just didn't happen. It just kind of like, you know, I didn't have that quality of resolve. It was like, well, that's a nice idea, but I'm not going to do that. And so that kind of, uh, that lack of a firm foundation that where you can say, yes, I'm going to do this and, and have some confidence that you'll stick with it. So there's this idea of a full and firm foundation. Uh, I think it's Ajahn Jeff who says that resolve is like the servant of all of the other paramis. How can you do really carry through any of those without some ability to resolve and some ability to stick with your intentions? 
And it's deeper than just wishful thinking or a purely mental kind of idealism. You know, it's even deeper than a momentary intention. It's what carries us on moment after moment to keep having those wise intentions arise and keep being able to actually find our way with them. I think discovering your own capacity for resolve, it's kind of about slowly learning how to close the gaps between thinking something is a good idea and actually finding yourself being able to act on it consistently. Because it brings this alignment. It requires and brings an alignment of your head and your heart and your body. Um, Adyashanti says that the paths of insight, awakening, and wisdom, they all have to be rooted in devotion, which is love and heartfulness. If not, they always end up in a dead end. We can do things for love that we can't do for any other reason. So I think that's true. You know, you need to find your heart's engagement with what you're wanting to do. And, and you know, not necessarily in a sweet, sentimental way, but in a really deep, felt sense that this is what's important to me. This is the meaning of, this is part of the meaning of my life. And this is, this is the kind of understanding that can give energy to resolve. And of course, it's not easy. And it's not easy to even come to the ability to make strong resolves and to have that kind of confidence in yourself that you'll carry them through. But you can also have the same kind of commitment to exploring what's in the way. What's that about? What's in the way? So, you know, that's kind of been my main resolve, sense of resolve for many years is that, wow, I don't seem to have a lot of these qualities, and, but I want to have them and I want to cultivate them. And so really sticking with understanding what's in the way and feeling my way to what's needed so that I have more of all these qualities, including more resolve and more ability to resolve. So also just resolving on things can be like a mirror that, that shows you where are your blind spots, where are your holding patterns. It's sometimes very hard to see delusion, right? It, because we're deluded, <laughs> we don't see it. But making a strong resolve that I wanna do this and then really sticking with noticing where, what you run up against and what seems to blindside you and what energies take over in a way that you really don't understand. And then making, investigating those kind of the focus of your practice for a while. So it's really useful to, to have it and to cultivate it and to work with it and to let it work in support of all the other paramis. So uh, that's kind of an introduction to the topic today. And you'll hear points of view from Jennifer. Does everybody know Jennifer and David, my co-teachers here? Jennifer is waving. And David, you want to wave? David is waving. So they will be sharing this program with me today for those of you who are joining us for the first time. I'm Chris, obviously. I guess we all have our right names on. So let's begin with a, a guided reflection. It's part reflection and part meditation. So I just invite you to close your eyes. And so come into the present, take a couple deep breaths. Take your head out of the computer screen and come into the room that you're in right now and breathe the air in your room. Get in touch with your own inner workings. And you might just bring to mind some area of your life where you have made or you've wanted to make a long-term long sincere commitment. 
It might be remembering how you felt when your children were born or when you embarked on a marriage or a long-term faithful relationship of some sort. Or maybe you've committed to sobriety after a long struggle with addiction. Or maybe you'd like to do those things, but you're finding them difficult. So just bringing that, bringing that to mind. Just getting a sense of what this quality of commitment and resolve has felt like for you. How is it different than something more lightweight and more easily easy to ignore and throw away when it's difficult? See where you feel that in your heart, in your body, or or if you don't, that's interesting information too. If you just feel like maybe it's not the right, maybe we're resolved on some ideal that isn't really true for us, or just feeling your way about your history with this factor for a moment. And see if this reflection, see if you're tuning into something that is, it's not a resigned, grim sort of teeth gritting feeling. It's not at all about pleasing other people or behaving in order to get something. It really comes from deeply owning the motivation for this intention. Yes, this is a big part of meaning of my life. You know this is what's good for you and what you want for yourself. Maybe you might bring to mind why you've come to this practice. What is it that's deeply calling you to this path? This path of turning inward in order to be more able to hold the world wisely. What is this intention to make the space and time in your life to deeply connect with whatever is most real for you? To be real. Seeing if you can feel how you hold that relationship to your Maybe it's this practice, whatever the practice is. Maybe you're just seeking what is the right practice for me, but how you hold your relationship to this wish to look more deeply at what's going on with life. Maybe you're really wanting a sense of inner peace and ease. Maybe you feel it more like a sense of inner freedom or independence from being blown about by circumstances. 
Maybe you really want to know what it is to be alive. Maybe you're seeking a way to feel a more kind and compassionate connection with others or with all of life. What is it for you? What is the touchstone that you can keep coming back to that is your baseline motivation for engaging in this kind of work? And Gil recently reminded me that our meditation, each meditation can really have some taste of this motivating goal for us. So if we're wanting to find peace, can we bring a little bit of peace into each meditation? If we're looking for a sense of freedom, how can we be free in this moment? we're looking to become more kind, how can we be kind to this moment right here? So letting this larger sense of resolve inform your practice in each moment. And then what is your clearest intention when you sit down to meditate? We've all heard lots of instructions over the years. Maybe some phrases or bits of instruction really resonate with you. Something very simple, you know, like just here, be here. Simply notice. Just allow what's happening to happen. It's okay. Right now it's like this. Trusting in awareness. Some very simple kind of mantra-like instruction that you can keep coming back to that can be the thread for your resolve during this period of meditation to stay connected with that simplicity of what we're really trying to do here. So resolve has this steady begin again, begin again, come back to it, stay with it quality. We stay with it, and at the same time, it's fed by this underground stream of your heartfelt, sincere motivations for doing this at all. Letting those come together. Knowing that this momentary simplicity of just right here, this breath, this feeling, this sensation, meeting that with kindness, and a sense of spaciousness that is a little taste of freedom. 
meeting it with ease. Moment by moment, that commitment is serving the larger purpose of your life. Of course, the mind wanders and other intentions come to mind. So what's a really useful way for you to tune back into both the simplicity of the act of meditation, meditative attention, and bringing your heart into it by connecting it to your bigger purpose? Bringing your body into it by deepening your sense of connectedness to the here and now, the felt sense of what's going on in you, the movement of the breath, the contact of your bottom with your seat. Right here, right now, really, really alive in this moment. This is a moment <laughs> you are that reality. You are made of it. Awareness is part of it. Awareness is made of reality, whatever that is. Right here, right now. I'm just settling with the simplicity of each breath. Noticing when maybe too much reflection on the big picture takes you out of the present moment. Sense of trust that being present is the key to the natural unfolding of all these paramis. Open, clear awareness, open-hearted presence, physically grounded, Slowly, slowly, the appeal of all the distractions that keep us bouncing around, they settle down. We can become centered 
grounded, clear. Sincerely present. Creating the conditions for being effective in our resolves in many ways in our lives. Just very gently coming back to simple presence. Connecting with the next breath. It's okay. Mind wanders. The energy is sometimes strong, sometimes not. This is a long-term commitment here. We just keep beginning again. Just bringing a little more gentle kindness, a little more presence. A little more focus. Also a little more receptivity, allowing, opening. Maybe a wider focus. Taking in the whole body. including the heart. 
including the gut. including our understanding, this faculty of understanding, the faculty of caring, caring what we're doing. And this sense of a kind of courageous determination. That's not a gripping, it's not a forcing, it's a steady, deepening, centering, resolve, a foundation, a full and deep foundation for our lives. I'm only ringing the bell once because I've realized that bells are fairly annoying over Zoom, the way they <laughs> echo strangely. So. <laughs> Thank you. So what we're going to do now is do a breakout group and we'll get in groups of uh, three or four. And have you all done Zoom gr breakout groups before? I'll just say briefly how that's going to work. In a minute, you will all, when I push the button, the program will sort you all into small groups of three or four. And so you might be asked, do you want to join the group and say yes. And then you'll just be on a screen with three or four other people. And it's just like making a small breakout group. And then you just talk among those three or four of you until uh, you'll get a notice that it's about to end and then we'll all be brought back together. Okay. So it works pretty smoothly. We've done it a few times. And some of you are showing your screens and some of you are on phones. You'll all have to unmute yourselves so that you can hear each other in the small group. I think it'll work okay. So um, we'll spend probably only about 12 minutes in the group, so not that long. So about three minutes of peace. I'm not going to be able to time it, but so kind of keep an eye on about three minutes apiece. And the idea is just each person share what comes to your mind about this question. And there's not crosstalk. We're not giving advice. We're not agreeing or disagreeing. We're just keep listening as each person shares. Okay? So that's the format of the, of the group. And the numbers keep changing here, so I don't know. We'll see how this works. Um, the Let me get the group set up a second here, and then I will read you the question. Okay. So this is ready to go now. So um, here's the question. What have you already discovered about yourself in relation to this parami of resolve? 
Okay, it might be some of the reflections that we offered during the um, meditation. So maybe something in your life has taught you what it means to resolve, like having a child or something like that. Or maybe it's been difficult for you. Maybe you're still struggling with addictions and you don't really know where this place is in you that would resolve that. So whatever, you don't have to share anything you don't feel like sharing, but just you know, something that you've learned about how, what is your relationship to this ability to resolve? And what's your sense of what that means? How do you feel that? You understand the question well enough? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to create these breakout rooms now and we'll come back in about 12 minutes. All right. Um, well, so I'd love to just hear from, you know, a few of you. Was that okay? How did that go? That work? Okay. Anybody want to share anything that came up? You can just unmute and speak up if you'd like. What, what, seemed, yeah, to, Conrad, go ahead. what seemed to come up in our group a little bit was that the busyness of life clouded our ability to kind of let resolve rest in our intentions for either our practice, for things we've been meaning to do for life, for my business, for, I know for myself and transitioning it. And so the kind of the blessing of the coronavirus has been is that it put the brakes on everyone and all of life has slowed down. And so then resolve was able to then go into rather than being resolving to being busy to our intentions for like our practice, for for my business, for my little community where I live, and we built a garden. So, <laughs> resolve became like this, uh, like a very light, seamless uh, strength that just seems <laughs> to kind of flow rather than just being like a hard thing. And like the space is there now to really focus on what matters. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else want to share something that came up? Yes, uh-huh. Okay, Ek. Yeah, Ek, unmute yourself. Hi. So I, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, so my, uh, my reflection was was interesting and it was kind of question for you to question also a question for you which was uh, uh, resolve I find my relationship with resolve I found hard when it is in terms of my uh, in terms of uh, relationships uh, and I found it easy in terms of other aspects of my life other than relationship. So what I noticed during, especially during this time of isolation that whenever uh, my habits, strong habits and things comes up, uh, they make it hard for me to resolve, especially uh, when it's, it's regarding the relationships. So I was just wondering, and on the other side, 
I have done a lot in my life. I have gone through many difficulties, so much in my life, and that resolve seems to be not that difficult. If I have resolved, make it a make it resolve. I was able to do almost everything which I have decided. So, yeah, it's and as for my understanding, I am working with this by just. letting my patterns and habits show up and rather than reacting out from them immediately i'm trying to trying to be with them noticing their emotions associated feelings and sensations with them so yeah that's all i have to say if you have something yeah. to add up i would appreciate Well, our relationships is one of the hardest areas of life. It's so fluid. It's so dependent on what's going on with, you know, other people. There seems to be so much extra room for the unexpected to arise and for very deep, you know, layers in ourselves to be touched. So it doesn't seem surprising to me that, you know, relationships turn out to be an area that takes a lot of deep long-term work so you know i would say it's it's a it's a very deep and profound mirror into what's going on in ourselves in life and what we want to happen what you know our relationship to all kinds of things control and our ideals and how other people are and so it's it just sounds so true that it's it's really a difficult area So I like I think you described very well how to just stick with it, you know. Keep working on it. Let it teach you what it has to teach you. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm not looking at the second page. Anybody else? Okay. All right. Well, I will turn it over to Jennifer at this point who has some more thoughts to offer. Oh, so there's some raised hands here. Let me see who's raised their hand. Julie Chen, do you want to speak say something? Yeah, I just wanted to um tag on to what Conrad was saying earlier. I think some more things came up for me and um you know with resolve, I think one thing i think that's tough is um having the sense of resolve being something that we may or at least for me feel like i i need to sort of do it and feed it by myself sort of alone um have that resolve that inner resolve and before it's really developed in a in a way that i have a lot of conviction that i kind of stick with it it is very hard and during this time it feels like globally society society has given us permission <laughs> Um, you know to to slow down as conrad was saying to 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 sort of put for th- first things first and and i think without that sometimes being pulled by external obligations demands forces others preferences uh, responsibilities e- even just making it to imc you know there's a whole sangha there that supports the development of our own inner resolve that's tough um and so i just yeah i'm just curious um you know how how do we come back how do we come back and continue to sort of stay the path when when society often you know doesn't give us this kind of you know yeah carte blanche this sort of pass this hall pass if you will right <laughs> right 
Yeah, that's that's a great question that we all have to work with finding that, you know, that's kind of one of the meanings of freedom and independence is how to how to clarify your own priorities in the face of social pressure. Definitely. We've been given this interesting window to see what it's like with a little less of it in some ways and what can we learn from that? Yeah. Thank you. Don't have any answer, but, <laughs> but it's an interesting window into the issue right now. Yeah. Okay, Jennifer, over to you. All right, firstly, hello everybody. Uh, the name of this short talk is Shelter in Peace. So Shelter in Peace. And the reason why I thought about this is because of uh, the four different resolves that the Buddha spoke about, which was in one of the email readings that we had. Um, so to remind us all, the four different resolves are, the first one is wisdom or discernment. And the second one is truth. And the third one is translated as relinquishment or letting go. It's also translated as generosity, which I really love that. And then the fourth is peace. And uh, for me, in my experience this past month, you know, it's like all three of the first resolves sort of flow and support the arising of peace. So sheltering in peace. And I was on a, I was walking in my backyard doing some walking meditation and I was thinking about these four resolves and I looked up and there were these, hopefully you, you all can have kind of this image. There were these four huge pine trees and they were all fairly close together. So just four of them with these huge thick trunks and each one of the trees at the very top had a, a very large green canopy. So with all four of the trees, the green canopy on the top was just super thick. And I looked at that and this felt sense of resolve just came to my heart and it, it made me so happy. And it reminded me that sometimes, um, at least for me, things on the external, especially nature, can transform me on the inside and give me, you know, even more resolve on the inside just by looking at those trees. And so I was reminded of the Buddha and how he took refuge in nature, um, certainly on the night of his awakening about the story of how he was being attacked by the forces from Mara of fear delusion, basically greed, aversion, and delusion. And most of us remember how he touched his hand to the earth as his witness. And I love this in this book, The Parami. Uh, it's described as when the Buddha reached his hand down to the earth, it says, 
in the Buddha's mind's eye, the very spirit of the earth rose up like a goddess. Wrapping her long hair into a braid, she twisted it and wrung out of it a great fountain of water that swept through the darkness of the grove. His heart, being the Buddha's heart, brimmed with confidence and clarity, radiated around him, and Mara and his entire host had dissolved like mist at dawn. So I love this image because nature, earth, and I'm gonna talk about several other things that I'm calling beauty, how they can support us and actually support our resolve, uh, whatever kind of resolve we have in that moment. So especially in difficult times like now where you know many of us seem just out of sorts, um, you know, there's difficult energetic forces in the world, difficulties in our hearts and our minds. And, um, you know, in general, there's a lot of us who feel this, our system is out of balance, kind of out of whack. And um, this is absolutely natural, you know, a natural response to distressing times. And so one of the ways that um, they talk about, you know, how to respond in, in some call this, you know, a time of trauma, how to respond, how to self-regulate ourselves, calm our nervous system and support this third resolve of letting go, of relinquishing the contraction in our hearts and our minds and allowing peace to arise, that nature and beauty can do this for us if we're open to it. And Thich Nhat Hanh, who I love how he describes things, he talks about um, one day in New York City, I met a Buddhist scholar and this is Thich Nhat Hanh speaking. One day in New York City, I met a Buddhist scholar and I told her about my practice of mindfulness in the vegetable garden. I enjoy growing lettuce, tomatoes, and other vegetables, and I like to spend time gardening every day. She said to me, you shouldn't spend your time growing vegetables. You should spend more time writing poems. Your poems are so beautiful. Everyone can grow lettuce, but not everyone can write poems like you. And I told her, if I don't grow lettuce, I can't write poems. So I love this. I love how, how nature, beauty, whatever each one of us engages in in that way, how it can allow the best of us to come forth. And... Um, when I was reflecting on this, I was reminded, uh, I was on a silent retreat at Insight Retreat Center, and many of you have been there before. And um, when we do walking meditation outside, on the side of the house, there's a, a group of trees. It's a, basically a grove of large redwood trees. I think they're redwood trees. And they're very close together. 
And one time I was doing walking meditation and I noticed a woman putting her hands on the tree. So one tree was here and one tree was there. They were that close. And she was putting both hands on the trees and she had her eyes closed. And I was thinking back on this of how that was just an image of resolve, like just connecting with the trees as the witness to our efforts in meditation. And um, so after she left, about a half an hour later, I went over to the trees and I put my hands on the trees like this. And I just connected with the earth, the strength of mother nature. And it just, it really infused my day, it infused my moment. And it, it helped me to continue with my practice. And certainly when we're on a silent retreat or even in daily life, we at least I know I need support with my resolve, you know, just to kind of help. Like, you can do it. You can do it. So, my the theme for today's short talk is how to allow beauty into our heart, how to allow the beauty of the landscape or the beauty of whatever your the beauty of the arts, maybe it's sewing, gardening. Uh, I was, this week, I was doing some flower arranging. <laughs> so how the beauty of flowers can bring this sense of, you know, letting go. It's, it's just, for me anyway, it's this way that nature... Um, even connecting with all of you today and seeing visually your faces, how it brings a sense of joy to the, the heart and the mind. So how we can let the external landscape of beauty soften our inside, soften our heart, soften us internally. And in, in several of the suttas, the Buddha talks about Whatever practice he's talking about, he talks about externally and internally. So sometimes we are able to, as the third resolve talks about, letting go and relinquish some kind of contraction in our heart or mind. But sometimes it's, especially at times like we're in right now, we need a little bit of help to allow that relaxation to allow the contraction to soften and so i'm suggesting this morning to see if there's a sense of how beauty on the outside whatever that means to us has been able to infuse some letting go and a sense of peace on the inside so i i had a friend this week who i was talking to uh, about this topic and she told me that she received a text about this um, chorus that was playing, this beautiful, beautiful chorus that plays every year, but they can't play this year in person, so they had a Zoom chorus. And so she sent me the link, um, and she told me that she, when she watched this chorus and listened to them, because they had hundreds of these people on the little squares, you know, so you just had this sense of, all these people singing and it was just it was quite something and so she said that she was listening and watching and she just started crying tears just came down her cheeks and um and i also watched it and 
and it was quite moving. So, you know, it, it was again, a reminder of how the beauty, because all the arts are beauty, how the beauty on the outside can just touch us and, and open us in a way that sometimes nothing else can. I have a friend who told me that um, in the last month, she, her practice, her Buddhist meditation practice has changed. She's doing much more chanting uh, than she ever has before. So somehow, you know, she's just feeling like singing and chanting and, and kind of having a, a different way of devotional, a different devotional practice has been helping her. Um, this morning when I was getting ready for our Zoom talk, I, I looked up and I have this, this tree out here and, and these birds were there singing and, you know, chirping and kind of going back and forth. And, you know, that just opened my heart and, and brought me that kind of, uh, again, regulating the system, if you will. Some, some friend of mine told me today that she was doing so much more sewing lately. Even though she has a lot of to-dos, she just felt like she wanted to be with her hands and do some sewing. So many of you, I can see are smiling and, and relating to some of this. Um, I see this when I'm walking around the neighborhood. You know, I see different art forms. There's teddy bears in the windows and some of the kids have done chalk designs on the sidewalks. And, um, and so I, I noticed that in terms of opening our heart and kind of letting go of some of the distress, I'm noticing that um, what's arising out of all of this is the natural capacity of the heart to express compassion. So really in a time of great distress, people are, I have to say, I don't know about your neighborhoods, but everyone's waving hi. And I can tell you they didn't do that before. <laughs> and I passed by a sign yesterday on a stop sign and it was paper handwritten. And it's from the neighbors and it said, if anyone needs help, you know, my husband and I are available, please call. We'll, we'll be able to help you in a safe manner. And I gave their phone number and my heart just, you know, it just broke open, like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. And I'm, I imagine many of you have experienced some of this in the past week. So noticing how it is that, um, that beauty on the outside can touch us on the inside, soften us, let us let go, and, and that peace can arise from that. And it reminded me of um, uh, this quote that Ajahn Susito had in his book. Um, if, you know, when the mind is contracted and having a difficult time, um, he talks about, it's so beautiful, he talks about holding, holding his mind like a baby. I don't know if any of you read that. And rocking our minds, you know, our, our minds and heart are in distress and just, rocking our minds and hearts and listening to them just like we would a, a little baby, a young child. I thought that was so beautiful. So the four resolves, the first one being wisdom, the second one being truth, the third one being 
relinquishment or letting go or generosity. I love how that piece is translated as generosity sometimes. And the fourth being peace. So I'm going to have one of the breakout questions be around beauty. Uh, and before I do that, I'm going to ask Chris to put up an image of the Buddha, just so you can all have some kind of beauty in front of you for a moment. And I'll tell you where this picture came from. So if you all want to, if, if you click on the top of your squares and move it to the other side, you may be able to see, this is the Buddha at IMC. And this week when Gil was giving a talk, the sun was coming up and just bathed the Buddha in the sunlight. And this just absolutely opened my heart and brought me this sense of peace, remembering what it was like to be sitting at IMC. And it made me happy. It brought me a sense of letting go and a sense of ease. So we're going to have our breakout session here. Thank you, Chris. And... The topic is about, there, there's two questions, and one is about, in what way have you tapped into beauty? Or perhaps some of you have even created beauty and shared beauty of some kind. Whatever beauty means to you, the arts, pictures, painting, whatever it means to you. Um, and you might want to describe a time when connecting with beauty of some kind helped your your heart and your mind to to relinquish whatever tension was there, allowing for peace to arise. And I have a second question for those of you who, for whatever reason, life is such right now for you that you you're not able to to take in beauty you're you're very you're there's some suffering a great deal of suffering and so i want to allow for for that too and so for those of you who feel that way um you can talk about which one of the four resolves that you're most resonating with wisdom truth letting go and peace so is, are those two questions clear? Anyone have, need more clarity on that? Okay, great. Okay, here we go. So we have again about um, 12 minutes for this. Thank <laughs> you. 
Okay, looks like people are back. All right, great. So we have a couple minutes before the break, and I am wondering how your small group breakouts were and what was discussed, if anyone wants to share anything about it. And you can just unmute yourself or raise your hand, whichever you're comfortable with. Lydia. Lydia. Um, Jennifer, we really appreciate, all group appreciate that you mentioned about this beauty because um, we have a lot of say about the beauty. Um, we have four in our group and the, the last one didn't get that much chance to speak because the first three um, spoke a lot. But the, um, personally, I feel a little bit embarrassed to ask it because I don't know how to, I, I really appreciate the beauty. I love it. And especially nowadays, we go <laughs> take a walk and but I don't know how to connect that directly with the dot line with, with the resolve. Um, and as a matter of fact, I don't even really clearly understand what resolve is. Because at first when I look at that, I read the John Suchito's book, I was thinking, wow, um, you know, with, with the 10 paramis, with everything, generosity, everything, it's intuitively, you know what they're trying to say, like wisdom, patience, truth, <coughs> but, but with resolve, I said, what is that? Then, um, then I trying to see, okay, commitment, uh, you know, there's dedication, and it seems like a little bit um, harsh to me, because kind of my concept with uh, deep meditation concentration is like very harsh so um and i really appreciate this for results also but it's like i guess i'm just not that clear so maybe i missed the, the, the talk about this earlier uh, the beginning part of this action anyway i just want to put out there um Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you, Lydia. Yeah, um, you know, Chris did open with a, a general description. But as you said, you know, you read the chapter and, you know, I'm sure there's people that can connect with you um, about, you know, really what is the felt sense of resolve and what is resolve for you on any particular day or for any of us? Um, the one thing that came to my mind when you were asking the question is I was listening to a talk by Gil about resolve and he said this isn't any sort of resolve. You know, like we can have a resolve to, you know, make a lot of money in business or get a pizza or something, but it's the resolve that leads us to liberation, to, to both compassion and wisdom. So kind of the resolve of the, the overall path. Um, and the and the two wings of wisdom and um, compassion. So, 
But I, I love your question because it's one that, you know, all of us hold. You know, what's, what's resolved for us each moment? So thank you. Anyone else here before we go on a break? All right. So let's go for a, what is it, Chris? A five minute, seven minute break? Yeah, let's come back about 11.05. Okay, so nine minute, a nine minute break. <laughs> All right, and then David will share some views on this, points of view on this. Okay, so we'll see you back here. So, um... I hope this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about uh, resolve um, in terms of the word intention. And it's kind of, it's kind of intellectual. Um, like, uh, yeah, so I hope it's not too intellectual for you. I'm, I'm gonna try to make it accessible, but, um, It means a lot to me, this word, this, this practice of intention. Um, it's actually, maybe, uh, well, when I, I was at the Zen Center for many years, and, and uh, it, was, it, it was always encouraged, what is your intention? Find your intention. What is your, what is your deepest desire? It was thought of as more important than meditation that you know what you're doing, you know your intention. I mean, you can sit with not a strong intention. Why am I sitting here? And you know, you can fall asleep. You can do, there's a, uh, there's a story about Milarepa. Milarepa was a, a kind of a, a vastly enlightened uh, guy, you know, way back when. Uh, but he was a, kind of a rogue, and, and uh, you know, he, he was, um, uh, you know, didn't wear any monk's garb. He just kind of went around and wandered and, and was an incredibly enlightened being. And, and there's a story about him uh, um, going to a, uh, sleeping under the porch. He found a, he needed a place to sleep, so he slept under the porch of this monastic. And this uh, monastic um, uh, awoke in, was awoke in the morning, and he started doing all of his monastic stuff, lots of meditation and lots of ritual and and lots of chanting. But in his meditation, he was actually distracted because he was thinking about he had a yak. A yak is like a kind of a goat or something in Tibet. He had a yak for sale that day. He was going to take it to market. And he was thinking, what am I going to get for the liver? And how much am I going to get for the kidneys? And how much can I get for these different parts of the yak? That was what was going through his mind. <clears throat> and then he comes out of his, uh, of, of his hut 
and he stumbles over Milarepa, who's like this kind of beggar lying there, and he, he says, "What are you doing here? You know, you, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a very important monk, you know, and, and you're lying here in my way." And and uh, and Milarepa could read his mind, and and uh, he said, "Well." I've been thinking about this yak that I have for sale and thinking how much I could get for this part and that part. Um, and then the monk was very abashed and, and you know, kind of rushed, rushed away. Well, that's a funny Tibetan story. Anyhow, it's funny to them. Um, but it, it, the point is, Milarepa had a huge, deep intention and he didn't, you know, and this other guy was thinking about his yak. So it, it's kind of to point out how, how important intention is. Um, so, yeah, we were encouraged. What is, what is your deepest intention? And we would think about it day after day after day. We would, you know, that would be our practice in meditation. Why am I meditating? What am I doing here? What am I doing here, you know? I, I was at a, a, a monastery, you know, and during work time. What am I doing here while I'm gardening? Why, you know, I'm in this monastery. Why are you here today listening to this, you know, uh, participating in this class? Or, or why do you go to IMC? Or, um, so so um, how do you walk down the street? What's your intention when you walk down the street? Your intention when you walk down the street could be to be mindful of your body. That could be an intention, or it could be to look in the windows and shop. Nothing wrong with that, but those are different intentions. So, um, a monastic will who takes a no, has a, thinks of it as a noble intention. And again, I don't want this to get too abstract, but a monastic will wake up in the morning and the first thought in her mind will be her intention for that day. This is my intention. And just to make this kind of uh, close to home personal for me and, and maybe you can relate or maybe you can't, but uh, when I wake up in the morning, my first thought, I make it my first thought, I will be aware today. I will abide in awareness all day long. And, um, and I might reflect on that as I get up and as I go downstairs and make my coffee, am I aware as I'm going down these stairs, am I aware? And I'm not, sometimes my mind is drifting off, but then I remember, oh, I had that intention. And, I, and, and am I aware as I go back upstairs? And, and uh, then I, I sit and I meditate. Uh, and and uh, the intention is pretty easy to remember when I'm meditating, to be aware. And... I love um, that quote from Adya Shanti, we can do things for love 
that we can't do for any other engagement, something like that. So I have come to be in love with awareness. Um, that Again, that might sound really abstract, but um, so right now, I've, I've done this with you before, but I'll do it again. Right now, you're aware, right? Don't be aware right now. Don't be aware. You can't not be aware. So now you're aware. And isn't it amazing? We're aware. This is amazing. This is, this is actually everything is this awareness, this consciousness. Without this consciousness, we're nothing at all. We are consciousness. We are awareness. So to be aware that we're aware, to me, is a huge intention and a beautiful intention. And, and it's a... Um, I think of it as a divine intention because if we think of it in that way, it's amazing. It's, it's magic, this awareness, this being, this, it's, it's um, being aware of this life is aware of our divinity, aware of the sacredness of what is here. So I consider this a very worthy, worthy intention. And I, uh, I have this practice, I've been doing this for years because I was a monastic, like I said, but I, I have these Buddhas over here on my altar and I, I bow to them, I bow to them a lot. I start out the day bowing to them nine times I end the day bowing to them nine times. And, I, and it, it's, it's an expression of my, and I don't think when I'm bowing to the Buddha, I'm bowing to awareness. I'm just bowing. But you can feel it when you bow. You can feel it when you bow to each other, that we're bowing to each other's presence. We're bowing to each other's being. We're bowing to, in a sense, we're bowing to awareness. So, intention. We can't control much in our lives, but we can control our intention. We can make an intention. And intentions are so powerful. They're the force behind everything. We intend to eat. It's the force, you know, to pick up that fork and eat. We can also intend to be aware while we're eating. So if we have some noble intention, if you want to take up this practice or maybe just dip into this practice a little bit of, of establishing, thinking about, um, really reflecting, contemplating, this, what is my deepest intention? What is, what, what is valuable to me? What is meaningful to me in this life? And what do I want to practice in this life? for this very short time that I'm here, this day, what is my intention for this day? Is it to go watch TV and get lost and you know, not be here? 
That's, I'm not knocking that, that could be okay. You're probably not suffering while you're doing that. But what is your intention? Is that the way, I don't think you wanna live your lives that way all the time or you wouldn't be here, you know. But what is your intention? And, and, and then come to that and establish that. And maybe, maybe think about it when you wake up in the morning. Because if you think about it when you wake up in the morning, it really gets engraved in your heart and in your mind. That first thought. And then if you want to continue with this practice in part, or if you want to wholly embrace it, Excuse me. <clears throat> the nice thing about intention is it gives you such stability. It gives you a foundation, a framework uh, to, by which you lead your lives. And you could say, well, that's intellectual, it's an idea, but in another way, it's not intellectual because this is where your heart is. This is what you have determined is the most important thing to me. This is how I want to live my life. So you can pause throughout the day. And am I abiding in my intention right now? Or am I getting lost in jealousy? Am I getting lost in desire? Am I getting lost in anger? Am I getting lost in comparison? Am I getting lost in judgments? And this isn't to say that um, just because we have a pure intention doesn't mean that we can't have a lot of impure thoughts. But if the intention might be to say to be aware, we would be aware of these impure thoughts. We would be we would be um, inquiring into our minds and being aware of our minds and seeing those thoughts. Seeing the speech, the bad speech, bad, sorry, shouldn't use that word, the unskillful speech, the speech that is uh, perhaps harmful to someone else or harmful to yourself the thoughts that are causing you pain or the action and, and then going through the day, you know, just kind of using your noble intention, whatever it is to be kind could be an intention to be peaceful that Jennifer described the intention for peace so beautifully to be, to be um, uh, Chris, described so many beautiful intentions in her talk. Am I in alignment with this intention throughout the day? Just kind of tapping in, tapping in, tapping in without any sense of perfection. With just great, you know, kindness and compassion and ease and, yeah, well, oh, I screwed up. I left my intention. I got lost in thought. I got lost in this. And just continue. 
throughout the day. And if, again, if you want to strengthen this practice, um, a monastic would be for bed. She wouldn't uh, go to bed with an iPad in her hand and then, you know, put it down and then the iPad kind of runs out of battery as, because she's fallen asleep or, 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 or read a book and then put the book down because you're falling asleep. Uh, a monastic would, would uh, before bed, right before bed, again, to engrave this into one's consciousness, reflect on the day. Some people like to journal. Doesn't need to be a journal. It could just be a reflection going through the day. And um, wow, was I, I was pretty uh, aware uh, in the morning. Yeah, I, I was pretty much in alignment with my, my deepest desire. And then I lost it. And then I really lost it and I got angry and upset with this person and, and I got stuck in that. And then I got free again and I had a nice walk and I was pretty much in alignment with my intention during my walk and, and I could feel the vividness of my life then and it was, you know, My intention was alive in me then, and, 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 uh, and my practice was alive. And this isn't like a test, like to check off, oh, I did this, I did this well, and I, I, I didn't, you know, it's not that. It's just, it, it's, it's a bit of an, it's an encouragement, an encouragement to stay with our practice, to set an intention and have that be a framework for the life to set it in the morning, to pause and revisit it throughout the day, and then to review it right before bed. Just looking at the time. Um, and then waking up the next morning. Yes. I just said there's plenty of time. Okay. And then to wake up the next morning. And then you get to do it all over again. <laughs> you get to wake up again with this great intention to live your life as vividly as you possibly can. How wonderful. So she, uh, Chris just said I had a few more minutes. So there's this bodhisattva intention, uh, a vow. It's a, it's a, uh, a bodhisattva vow goes like this. And, and Mahayana Buddhists chant this vow. A monastic takes, makes vows all day long. <laughs> all day long making, making a vow before you eat, making a vow before you work, making a vow before you, you know, as you, are in services. But the Bodhisattva vow, which is said several times a day, chanted, it goes something like this. Um, Sentient beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Desires are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. 
the Buddha's way is unsurpassable, I vow to become it. And then we bow. And uh, so uh, these are all impossible vows to keep. And that's absolutely fine. It's an impossible vow for me to be aware all day long. And that's absolutely fine. A bodhisattva vows, his big vow is to never go into nirvana, to keep coming back lifetime after lifetime after lifetime until all sentient beings are liberated. An impossible vow. But it is impossible. Our, you know, the deceptions in our mind are inexhaustible, right? We all know this. The delusions, the concepts, the flood of concepts, the tides of conceivings just keep coming and coming and coming and coming. It's incredible. And we don't have to stop them. We don't have to snuff them out. But we can be aware of them. We can be aware of our deceptions. Our we can hold our deception. We can hold our comparison. It's, it feels, oh, this feels crummy. I'm comparing myself. Oh, yes, and I can hold that, this thought and this crummy feeling. And know from our wisdom, that's a deception. We're all um, one, one being here. The molecules don't end with me. We're all interconnected. So we know that's a deception that comparing myself to somebody else, our wise mind. Knows. So we, we see it. We see the deception, but we can't help but feel it. And it dissolves. And we see that too. So we are aware of the rising and falling and rising and falling and rising and dissolving, or rising and passing and dissolving of deception after deception after deception. And we're, when we're aware of them, they're no longer a deception. That's how we get into deceptions. And this awareness is, receives it, just receives it with a full acceptance, full allowing of this deception to exist. And when it sees you, it's with a full allowing and acceptance and you, one could say a love, because there, there's a love in this acceptance, a love and a compassion for you. So sentient beings are numberless in this way, just by being aware of everyone we meet. We're saving them in a way by just accepting them and you know, letting our compassion, our natural compassion, and love um, arise. Um, and I'll just quickly say Dharma gates are boundless. Truth, the truth of this moment, the truth of this very moment has no boundaries, right? It goes out forever and it goes up forever and it goes down forever in all directions. It's boundless, the truth of this moment. All we have to do is be aware of it, awaken to it. And this is Buddha's way. Jennifer showed us this beautiful Buddha that embodies everything beautiful, everything good, 
everything true, everything peaceful, everything generous. So, um, we can do things for love that we can't do for any other engagement. So we have to love, we have to really love our intention. We have to really be in love with it. Like this, this is, this means everything to me. This is my heart's deepest desire. So is there a intention in you that you could love? A noble intention that you could um, imagine would be your heart's deepest desire, how, do you, how to lead your life. Just, just to have it, just to have it as your precious, your precious jewel, just to have this intention as a, as a baseline, as a frame of reference, as something that could welcome you every morning, as something you could go to bed with at night. So again, I hope this isn't too abstract for you um, and that you can relate to it. Um, so that's the question. So now it's over to you, Chris, for breakout groups. Okay, thank you. So we'll do one final round of breakout groups. Maybe while I'm setting this up, David, you can just repeat the question one more time. Yeah, just um, noble intention. If you, what it, you know, that's the question we were always asked at the Zen Center. What is your deepest intention? What is your deepest intention? Simply that. Okay, taking me and maybe And maybe can you imagine living your life in alignment with this intention at least some of the time? Okay, so we have plenty of time here. So we can take maybe 15 minutes and make sure everybody gets a chance to speak and... Uh, you know, you can review some of the rest of the day if you run out of things to say on this one. Okay, so about 15 minutes. Here we go. Um, and I'm really curious as to how you related to this, this big question, you know, noble intention, um, and if you could relate to it at all. Um, so I'd love to hear any, anybody, anybody sharing. Uh, Chris, I can't see every, anybody, so could you? Yeah, uh, I, I think Laura's raising her hand. Uh, go ahead, Laura. Oh, I just. I'm trying to get a speaker for you. 
Try again to, okay. I was trying to help, but that hinders more than it helps. Go ahead. I'm unmuted. Yes. You're Thank there. you so much, David. That was very powerful for me. Um, I've heard some really wonderful shares and uh, I took notes on what you were talking about. And uh, I love that thing about oh. how to lead my life from my heart's deepest desire. And I was sharing in the breakout room that um, I have, my husband and I were like this right now. We're having a, a fight, I guess. And we have an appointment at 2 o'clock to talk to a counselor. And, um, and when you said that, lead your light, your intention from your heart's deepest desire. Uh, my heart's deepest desire is that I love my husband and I want to stay married. And all of this stuff just goes away when you think about that. And on another note is, uh, I just loved it. I loved what you talked about waking up with your intention, uh, pausing throughout the day. Uh, you know, I loved what you said about but monastics and the vows. And I'd like to know more about those. They they were beautiful. The gates gave me a lot of hope. And the other thing is um, I have a lot of different addictions, and one of them is around food. And so part of this, I'm going to need somebody to walk at 10 after 12 or whatever. And uh, I had all these problems. I wanted to talk about the husband like this, and I wanted to talk the food this. But really, if I live my life from my heart's desire, with that intention, it just is so helpful. And you can mm. just take in all the beauty on the wall instead of spewing all this stuff. Anyways, Great. Thank you all for being here and sharing, and I really appreciate it. Oh, they're very nice, lovely. Yeah, that's great that you've, you've, you've reaffirmed that in yourself, that you just love your husband so much and you want to be with him and you want to have a peaceful, harmonious life with him. That's a much deeper desire than getting whatever you thought you wanted and he thinks he wants or whatever, or don't, don't want. Yeah. Great. Glad to hear that. Can just unmute yourself and speak up if you would like to share something. I, I, I really enjoyed listening, and uh, I took notes as well. Uh, I, when you started talking about. Um, Falling asleep with the computer or the TV and book. That's me, man. And so, like, this gave me a new idea about becoming one, you know, closer to thinking about at least, pulling apart what is my intention? What is my intention? And rather than just checking out at night. But it kind of frightened me because. I don't want to go to, I want to be able to go to sleep. That's the thing. I want to sleep. And I'm afraid if I start rehashing my day, I'm going to get scared. But I got it. 
and the way I phrased my intention was that I want to become curious without judgment about everything, you know, that about people. Why did they react that way, you know, instead of like just jumping to the judgment? I don't know, especially nowadays. I can see people with masks on, with masks off, and I'm like, I judge all of them in some way, initially, until I start to think, I don't know where that person is coming from, you know. My stepdaughter comes home and she wears her mask, walking down the street, but she's, she's a nurse, so she doesn't want to infect people, you know, in case she picks something up. <clears throat> so curiosity is really one of the things I value a lot. And uh, without judging. Well, if it if it uh, disturbs your sleep, maybe you could do your review and then and then read read a book or do something that is less that is more more uh, less threatening. Hmm. What I found interesting about the question you posed was how I kind of went about answering it and reflecting on how my intentions have probably changed, not probably have changed through my life. And that was a really nice reflection, kind of not trying to judge like, oh, and seeing how my intentions professionally um, have morphed over time and in my own form of self-care. And I really kind of enjoyed that journey. It was a really... I want to say thought, good thought experiment, but it really was just to kind of shine the light of awareness on my own intentions. So thank you, David. Mm. Anybody else would like to share their, their intentions with us, their intention? So about, <clears throat> about two or three months ago, I started with what you're saying, David, in that um, in the morning before I get up, I would set the intention and primarily was to be aware and to be less and to be more patient. And at the end of the day, I would reflect on that. And I did not find it disturbed my sleep if I, you know, if I was not aware it was just, oh, I was not aware. And I'll try to do better the next day. At the beginning, it was so difficult. I don't think I hardly ever achieved what my intention was. But now after two months, and especially being so at home, I'm finding that it almost is, um, it just is intuitive. It just comes. And so it's like anything, practice makes, maybe not perfect, but it certainly makes it easier. So not to be discouraged if it's not working, because eventually, I think if yeah. it's wise effort and intention, it will, it will come about. Thank you, Carol. That's great. 
I think I've heard of awareness described as the a golden mirror that reflects everything. And often there's a lot of dust on the mirror. Any other great intentions to help us? Just to say, I'm sorry, my, um, my, my video, my camera is not working. Um, but um, I think the intention to remember for, for gratitude to me so much that is supporting us and um, it's easy to focus on what's not right and the problems and I try and remember the, um, how much there is to great for. Yeah. Well, while you all were in your groups, the th Jennifer and Krishna, we were talking about how it's been a, you know we're so we're so fortunate we have we have such great lives where you know almost everybody I know is benefiting from this time and finding more peace and more practice and more ease but there are so so many people so many people that are suffering so much that, 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 that it's robbed them of peace that they had. It's, it's, it's robbed them of well-being that they've had. This is a terrible time and just, we're just, yeah. Yes. So fortunate. Yes. I, yeah. Um, I also wanted to say that I found this on, there's a, a bookmark that IMC gave away and it has the 10 paramis on the front and I just noticed this yesterday based on Kate's comment. It says that gratitude opens the door for the perfections to grow. So I love that because there was a time where I thought, wait, gratitude should be one of the parmies, but it's the door that opens up the parmies to grow. So yeah. Thanks, Kate. Well, thank you, everyone. So um, next month, or starting tomorrow, we begin our study of metta, kindness. So uh, that's something that we've all, I'm sure, touched into in this year in many, many ways. And now it's coming to be the focus of our study for next month. And I'm sure we'll still be on Zoom a month from now. So I'm glad you're all able to join us and this is working well. Let's just end with a dedication of merit. So may all the wholesome energies that have been generated by our participation in this day and our looking at our wise intentions and thinking about how to strengthen them, may all of that be dedicated to the welfare, the happiness, and the liberation of all beings everywhere. Thank you. And we'll see you in Thank a month. You. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
Bye. Thank you. Thank you and goodbye. Yay. All flickering away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>